Today is Chaf Dalid Sivan. Chaf Hey, one second. Today is Chaf Chaf Hey Sivan, twenty fifth of Sivan, June seventeenth, Wednesday morning, and we are here in the virtual Hollywood Stibo, continuing on with the new Parak Parak Kaboyne, twelfth Parak. So the Gemara started off the last word on Kuf Beis and Beis, we saw this yesterday, we'll just go over it, Tashma. we wanted to understand how much is considered a malacha, how much, how little malacha is considered a, a, a suffices to make you chayv a carbon chatos on Shabbos. It says on the top, if you dig, if you drilled a little bit, you are, or you stuck in a peg into the ground, you are going to be chayv on Shabbos for buying it. So according to Rav who held that the Malacha described in the Mishnah was Bainab as opposed to Shmuel who held it was Makabapatish. So Baina building, sure, you dig a, a peg into the ground, it looks like you're beginning a construction project. El Shmuel, Shmuel said that the Malacha that the Mishnah was talking about was a problem not of building, but rather of finishing off a vessel or finishing a final act of a building. Lavgamamalachu is just sticking a peg into the ground. What are you possibly uh, finishing off? What's the completion here? Achamaya Skinan says the Gemara, the Bezea Biram to the Parzal Shafke, because the Ainu Gamamalacha, you stuck a nail in and you had no intention to take it out. You're going to leave it there as a hook, Rashi's lip lodge, but to hang things on it. So therefore, uh, Therefore, that's that's you've created a utility, something which has function, a vessel, and that is why Yechai, because Makba Patch. Says the Gemara, Zeha Klal, we said in the Mishnah that there was a rule, and the rule was that whoever does a malacha that uh, is miskayim, that remains steady, that remains. The permanent, that's that's the loophole for Lego is that usually it's not permanent. But if a kid plans on building something and he plans on leaving it that way forever and he puts it on a shelf for display, so then that would be the part of this rule that you do a malacha building on Shabbos and you intend that it should remain built. Yechayev uh, says the Gemara, klala Whenever it says this is the rule, that means there's something which we is not yet obvious from the previous examples in the Mishnah. What do we come to include here that I would not have known without the stating that there's a rule? If I built out, uh, let's say I had a large piece of wood and I could have carved out a hole of three lugin in it, so if I'm making a, a, a bowl or a cup and I start the process of uh, excavating it, of digging it out, even though now it only holds, holds uh, uh, one kav, I'm already considered like I created a keli, even though this piece of wood will eventually turn into a three carbon dish. So if you have a raw material, which is enough to make a five ounce mug, and you carved out a two ounce hole in it, you're already chayv because you've just made an espresso cup, even though eventually you're going to do more malacha. Now that's a chiddish because I didn't yet really finish the work, but since I created some functionality, therefore I'm chayv for, for building on Shabbos. There was an interesting case here where you said if you hit the if you take a hammer and hit the hammer down, you, you, you put the hammer down on the special balancing uh, disc, Yechayev. In fact, the Gemara might call it, you didn't build anything. All you did was tap the hammer. You didn't build anything. Uh, because you uh, trained your hands to, um, you, you, you trained your hand in the appropriate strength needed that it shouldn't destroy whatever you're working on. 
they asked the question, if you merely go and observe how a specific malacha is performed, and you, and you learn it, so let's say somebody walks by the blacksmith shop or the glass blowing shop on Shabbos, and all they do is stand there and watch, and they're able to pick up the methodology to create this keli. You're going to tell me that the chayev were building on Shabbos? Same thing over here. So I took a hammer. I banged the hammer on a piece of metal. I didn't create anything. All I did was I, you know, trained my arm. I practiced. I got practice how to swing a hammer. You shouldn't be chayev. You didn't build anything. So Abai Rava said that the way they used to do it, Rashi says, is they would strike with the hammer three times on the piece of gold that they were, uh, uh, that they were busy working on for the Mishkan. Um, so they were hammering out the gold. And after every three blows, they would take the hammer and strike it on this special uh, calibrating disc that uh, would make sure that the hammer didn't get uh, deformed, that wouldn't ruin the gold that they were working with. And that's in fact, we have a price which supports this, which matches our Mishnah. The price explains that when you take a hammer and you strike an item, which is not really, you're not performing any building at that moment, but you are, uh, I just use the word calibrating, because that's really in effect what you're doing. You're using uh, something which you know is a perfect uh, even, is very even, and it realigns the surface of the hammer to make sure that it's not going to damage whatever you're working on. Therefore, you even that strike, yeah? They call that, uh, in the English definition, an anvil, you know, which is just a solid piece of metal, uh-huh. you know, that mm-hmm. you use the hammer so it doesn't have any specks on it, so the hammer now is clean, and there won't be any imperfections in the gold when they hammer exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. So you're not actually building anything with that strike, but you are uh, still chayev because it's part of the process. It's part of the building process. Right. Says the Mishnah. If you plow even a small amount on Shabbos, you're going to be chayev. Don't try it. It's not a good idea. Uh, if somebody uh, somebody creates uh, creates all these are forms of planting if somebody uh, weeds they, they pull out the weeds so they create a better uh, besides the fact they're cutting off from the ground but they're improving their field uh, which is a form of plowing if you remove you remove uh, dry branches, you prune the trees. Also, even one branch, even a small amount, chayef. Amalakat eats them if you're gathering, uh, if you gather wood. So why are you gathering the wood? If you were gathering in order to like prune the tree, to fix the tree, then, of course, even a tiny drop is considered improvements on the field or on the tree. That's chayrish. That's plowing. But if you are gathering the wood for an actual purpose, so then one tiny uh, chip would not really be enough to create a fire. Therefore, this is a familiar measurement. And it has to be that you gathered enough wood to be able to cook an egg. If you're gathering grass, if you were fixing the field by removing, by gathering the grass that you didn't want growing there, culture, of course, you chayv even for a little bit. That's part of plowing. But if you were gathering it as fodder, as animal feed, then it has to be that in order to be chayv, you would have had to go and gather enough 
uh, grass in order to feed a small, uh, a small goat, uh, what would fit in the mouth of a goat. We're talking such small amounts over here. Uh, come on, What's, what, what, what is it worth? And this really is a continuing of the pattern from the Mishnais in the previous parak. But we said any item that you can be chayef for carrying on Shabbos, it has to be, it has to be uh, actually from two parakim ago, from Hamatzniah, it has to be enough that it's worth something to you. So if you plowed one uh, spot in the grass, you removed the, the, you removed, uh, the weeds from one little area of the grass, what can you plant there? You can plant one gourd, one type of uh, seed, um, maybe a, a, one, a pumpkin seed or some other gourd, and they would do that in the Mishkan, they would, uh, they would do, they would need a plant, um, that in the Mishkan they would need single stalks for different dyes, and all they needed was one vegetable, I guess. We mentioned three other types of improvements, weeding, removing dry branches, and uh, pruning the trees. And Yechayev, even for one little bit of it, as they are all forms of improving the field. We learned in a ocean If somebody went on Shabbos and they cut off uh, edible uh, things which grow like weed, like uh, like weeds, but they're still edible. Um, uh, so something which you might have thought is a Rashi says, crispal, some sort of grass that's edible. Uh, if you were cutting it because we're talking about an edible species over here, uh, then it's the size of a gregris, it's the size of the figs. However, in but if you were cutting it to feed your animals, then the shear of minimum shear that you would have to bring a carbon chatas if you did this on Shabbos would be that what fits in the mouth of a goat. In Lahasek, and if it was for firewood, the old shear, the old amount of uh, to cook a uh, egg. In the place it's a karka, and if you're doing it to improve the ground, so you have no use, even though it's edible grass, that's not your intent when you pick it. Kol uh, even a little bit, because that's already improving the ground. Right? The Gemara, is a karka Is it not, at the end of the day, even if you're going to, uh, to eat it, However, you still, uh, you still are improving the land. Now, this is really, this Gemara is going to have tremendous ramifications in the halacha lemaisa world. The halacha that we're about to learn is uh, fundamental to the many kulas that we come to rely on, uh, as we'll see in a moment. So the Gemara says, at the end of the day, I don't care that your kavana was to eat the grass, and you're telling me that it wasn't enough to eat or it wasn't enough to feed my animal, therefore it should be putter from a carbon chatas, but still it should be forbidden because each blade at the end of the day that I remove, even if I don't, that wasn't my intention, but of course it, it accomplishes the obvious that it, you now have one less weed in your grass. Says the Gemara, Rabbi understood that we were talking about nagam in a swamp. So if you were picking it in a swamp where you have no benefit from removing a weed because it's not a field that you own or it's not a field, it's not a field that you have any benefit to improving it, that's not your intention, therefore you're potter. So we see from here very clearly that they understood that if your davashe'enum is chavan, if it was not your kavana, 
he had no intention. And that's not benefiting you. So it's a dumb she'enim Since your kavana was not to weed the field, and you have no benefit because it's a it's a swamp. It's not getting any improvement. What you did, it's permissible on Shabbos. Or, or there's no carbon chatas. Maybe we're talking about a real field. Because you had no intention to weed the field. Your intention was to provide food for yourself or, or your animals. And therefore, it's your, it's your potter. Says the Gemara uh, uh, right before the second Mishnah on Kuv Gimel Amin Aleph. How could you tell me Abaye in this case is lenient because it was not my intention and, I, it, and it was not my intention to, uh, to weed the field? Reb Shimon, who's the author of this leniency that if it's not your intention, your partner from Karben and Shabbos doesn't dispute, with the, does not argue with the Chachamim that when it's an inevitable result, when the inevitable result is that you will come to picking out the weeds, even where it's not your kavana, you're still chayiv on Shabbos. Uh, if you cut off the head of an animal, you're even if you just wanted the head uh, for whatever reasons, you're going to be chayiv. Says the Gemara, the chiddush here is that even though it's a psik resha, the so it's an inevitable result that when you cut out a piece of grass that's edible to eat, you're going to end up improving the field. However, says Gemara, we're talking about Ba'ar de Chavre, where it's in your friend's field. It gives us the halachic basis of a Dabashe It's not your intention to weed the field because your intention is to eat it. That's a sick ratio. It's certainly inevitably going to improve the field when you pull out this weed. The shaloi nichale that you have no benefit from since it's your friend's field. You have no direct benefit. Maybe your friend will appreciate it. Um, but it's not a malacha that you're doing for yourself. You don't have any direct benefit. It's, there's no of chatas. It's not forbidden on Shabbos. On the rice and on the rabbanon, uh, we say that it's permissible. The Gemara is really a very fundamental Gemara of Hilchas Shabbos. Says the Mishnah, the second Mishnah down, on the second Mishnah down on Kuv Gimel Amid Aleph. We had mentioned already of this halacha. If you wrote two letters, whether it's to your uh, with your right hand or with your left hand, so we'll get to a whole discussion of righties and lefties and more. So maybe it's back to baseball a little bit in that regard. Whether you wrote it from one letter or two separate letters, Aleph Beis or Aleph Aleph, Rashi says that even one or two inks doesn't matter. In any language, so just two letters, you don't have to actually write an entire word to end up bringing a carbon chatas on Shabbat, for writing on Shabbos. I remember hearing many, many years ago when we were learning Hilchah Shabbos in Shiva that the Magen David Adom had come out with a pen. This is many, many years ago. I'm sure they still use it if they use pens at all and not digital. That uh, the ink would, I believe, disappear after, within 24 hours. So that, uh, and they would have to rewrite it or enter it. But the point was, that whatever you were writing on Shabbos, for the, for they had it for the medics who had to write notes on the petition, that the ink would disappear 24 hours later, that, uh, so that it shouldn't be considered like it was a malacha, which is permanent, it was only a temporary 
melacha. It could be it was vice versa, but either way, it was one of the ways of minimizing chil Shabbos, especially when you're dealing with a chil she'ein boisakana, a non-deathly ill patient, that you should still be able to write without a uh, without worry. But even if you write two letters, two two uh, the same letters. Um, even to the same ink or different inks, uh, you, would, you would be in any language, you would be chayib. That is the first opinion in the Mishnah. Amr Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi came to argue, Lechayvish day Isis Elim Shum Roshel, Kakhoisma Krasha Mishkan Leida Eza Ben Zubai. In fact, Rabbi Yaisi says that uh, even if you just made a uh, marking, uh, that was the actual. That was the Rebbeis come to be machmer to say what was the actual writing that was performed in the Mishkan. The actual writing that was performed in the Mishkan was they would make symbols to know which beams went next to the others and which ones locked into the others, so that they you know like you number your sukkah boards. So it wasn't even writing real words, just uh, signs. Therefore, Yechayev, even for a sign. Um, Rabbi Yehuda, Yehuda said, Matzinu shem katim shem gadol, shem yishimenu mishmuel, nayach minachor dan midaniel, god migadiel. Rabbi Yehuda said uh, that your Chayev, another case which the Chacham didn't make obvious, that if your intention was to write Shmuel, and this is, of course, we had this a few times already, your intention was to write Shmuel, and you wrote Shin Mem, since Shame is also a name, therefore you're already Chayev, and the same with if you wrote Dun, you were planning on writing Daniel, and you wrote Dalad Nun, you're going to be Chayev. Necessarily, that you have to be, uh, you have to write a lot in order to come to this Chayev Chatos on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, if somebody writes with their right hand, then of course they should be called If you write with your left hand, why should you be for writing on Shabbos? That's a shino you wrote with your other hand. Rabbi Yirmiya says, our Mishnah was talking about a lefty. That's ah, a big chiddush. As the, as certainly today, I think the majority of people, much higher majority of right, there's a much greater number of righties than lefties. To assume that a stam case without any mention is talking about a lefty. But that was Rabbi Yirmiya's answer. Right? The Gemara, if that's true, that we're talking about a lefty, but to have a small day came in the Kulei Alma, then the Mishnah should have said that we're only chayiv if you write with your left hand. If you write with your right hand, which for a lefty to write with his right hand is considered a shinoi, that's considered like a righty writing with his left hand, right? Uh, I hope that was confusing. Uh, the mission should say that that uh, lefty who writes with his right hand is pater. We're talking about somebody who's ambidextrous. They can write with either hand. And that's why somebody who's truly ambidextrous, who can write with both hands, will be chayev either what. So if you have a pitcher who can pitch with both hands, he can probably write with both hands. And he will be, have extra chumras on Shabbos. I have my older brother used to pitch. I don't know if he could still do it but he would, could pitch left-handed or right-handed without any problems whatsoever. You should have been his agent. Yeah, it would have been good. He, he, he was good. He, he used to knock the ball out of the ball. Every time in camp he got up to play, they would go, they would already go get, start getting another ball ready for the, you know, <laughs> the ball was gone. These are good days. All right. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yaakov, Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov, who is the son of the daughter of Yaakov, said, You have to remember that if you go according to Rabbi Yaisi, if you learn 
that the Mishnah is Rabbi Yaisi, which is going to be a little difficult, as we'll see in a minute, because the Mishnah mentions one opinion of the Mishnah is Rabbi Yaisi. It doesn't make sense that the whole thing would be Rabbi Yaisi. But if it is, Rabbi Yaisi said, we're talking about where you're just making a, a marking line in the Mishkan. But they would mark off that this is, uh, this, which each beam, which beam goes with which beam. So if that's the case, it doesn't matter whether you're lefty or righty, you're just making a small mark. You're either one, you would be chayev, because it doesn't really require the skill of writing. Back to Gemara, the Sefer Biasi, Reish Lava Biasi, doesn't it say in the Mishnah, Biasi is only the author of the second opinion? There's Gemara Kuloi Rabbi he Now you have to understand that somehow the entire Mishnah is Rabbi and it only mentions his name uh, at, the, uh, in, at the second opinion. Uh, why? Uh, just to show that that case, to emphasize that case. Says the Gemara at the two dots, about six lines from the end of the page. Am Rabbi Yehuda Matsinu. So Rabbi Yehuda is the one who taught us in the Mishnah that if you wrote two letters from a longer name, you're going to be chayef. Says the Gemara, Am Rabbi Yehuda, Ella Rabbi Yehuda, Shtei Oisis, Vehen Shtei Shem, Vetsud Mechayev. When did Rabbi Yehuda say a chayev? If you wrote two letters, and uh, they are themselves a, uh, they are themselves a name. That's in your chayev. Yehuda then would hold that if it was really a slight, a different case where it was only one, uh, where it was only one, uh, one type of letter. So Shin Mem, Yehuda gave a case of Shin, Shin Mem, two separate letters, which also make up a word. Why didn't he give us a case of two, two letters which are the same, that would have been a big chiddush. Uh, Rashi gives examples. Sheish mishisha tas There are times and two of the same letters could also make up a word, like sheish, shinshin. Tanya, didn't we learn the brisa to the contrary of this at Ba'asa achas? The Pasuk in Vayikra says, by the carbon chatas, the asame achas, if somebody did one from one of these acts, I would think that in order to be chayav a carbon chatas, I have to do an entire malacha that my original intention was. Doesn't the Pasuk come to teach me, even if it's an act from the original act that I intended, but I never finished the complete act, I would still be chayef, since it in itself is writing. Says Gemara, if you're going to learn from that Pasuk, then why aren't you chayef even for writing one letter? If you're telling me that the Pasuk says, I should be chayef for even part of a malacha. I would say that, uh, even to do any malacha, to do one single act of sewing, one single act of dyeing, of, a, of creating a, a part of a weave, even a single act, I should be chayef. Tamad says the Gemara on the top of Kufkim Lamed Beis, that is why it says achas. What does achas mean? Kate said, ain't a chayef at shirt of shem kat, mishem kat, or shem mishem mishmuel, so the Gemara concludes this b'risa with showing us that even though we have a pasuk that is achas, you have to do an entire malacha. Rabbi Yehuda learns in that b'risa, not like the implication of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda clearly says in that b'risa that you can be chayev even if you just wrote two of the same letters is considered like you did that malacha. Rabbi Yaisi, I'm Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi added on, you're not, you're chayev even forget about writing, even if you just did a little mark, 
שכן רושם הפרשם משכם לידי איזה בן זוגי. אז אינפקט, that was the action that uh, was performed the Mishkan, they were just right on the beams, as we mentioned before in the Mishnah. So this b'risa that we're in the middle of quoting is bringing down the three opinions and clearly stating that Rabbi Yehuda is machmer, and even if you wrote sheish, you'd be chayiv. That contradicts the implication of our Mishnah. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, even if you were to write one mark on the two beams, one, uh, one line, so one line on two beams next to each other, like two uh, Roman, like Roman numerals, uh, or two lines on one beam. Shimon dashes the pasuk that says um, that you need to do. An entire action. So, so we're still uh, uh, so we're still trying to figure out over here what everybody's going to hold. Uh, says the Gemara, If you have that pasuk, I would think that Yerchayev, even if you do just. Uh, one small part of the major malacha, only, you only have to bring carbon chatas if you bring, if you, if you do the full malacha. Shimon says you have to do the full malacha. It says in the Pasuk, you have done va'asa achas. You will do one, and you will do, uh, and and you will do it, or you perform these malachas. There's times when you bechayev once for doing many malachas. Other times you bechayev for each malacha uh, in and of itself. That concludes this long brisa, which repeated this pasuk. And the opinions of Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Yehuda. But what we want to focus over here is Ketani Miha. Clearly, it stated in the Brisa earlier. The Gemara brought it down three lines down on this page. Rabbi Yehuda, Aimer, At the end of the day, Rabbi Yehuda in the Brisa clearly states that if you were to write uh, two letters and uh, even if it was the same letter twice, if it makes up a word like sheish shin shin, yechayev. And yet, Rabbi Yehuda's author uh, 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 opinion in the Mishnah seems to imply that you would not uh, that you would not be chayev. So there's a contradiction in whether Rabbi Yehuda, if you wrote the same letter twice and it and it formed a word, whether you'd be chayev at carbon chatas on Shabbos or not. And we need an answer because that's a contradiction. Says the Gemara, second line before they get wide, Kuf Gimel Amit Beis, like Kasha, Hadidei Hadir So we sometimes have this answer, that here he was quoting him his own opinion, but the other place he was quoting his Rebbe's opinion. What do we, what do we, uh, he was quoting his Rebbe, the Tanya, as we learned in the Brisev. This is a third source quoting the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, but this time it says clearly that uh, it says clearly that it is Rabbi Yehuda in the name of his Rabbi Gamliel. So all those are somehow they are words. And they are words. And yet, the, when was Rabbi Yehuda Machmir? That was when he was talking in the name of his Rabbi. But Rabbi Yehuda himself was uh, more lenient, and that's the author, uh, and that's the opinion stated in the mission. Frek the Gemara, second wide line down. Rabbi Shimon Hainutanakama. 
doesn't come out that Rabbi Shimon in the Brisa is the same opinion of the first opinion of our Mishnah. And if you'll tell me that there's a case of one case of one specific letter from the Aleph base, that if you wrote it twice, Aleph, Aleph, it's already part of a longer word, the Azreka Ikabenayu, that the case of Aleph Aleph would be the Machlaikas, the Tanakama of Aleph Aleph Azreka Lemachayev. Tanakama says since Aleph Aleph by itself is only part of the word, and clearly your intention was to write the word Azreka, I will help you. So then, uh, so then uh, it can't be. You can't be chayev. Reb Shimon Savar, keeping the Isab Gluturi Ba'alma. Reb Shimon says that we don't look at what word it appears you were trying to spell, but Aleph Aleph seems to be a pattern that we find in amulets, in Gluturi, in these uh, Kamiyas that they would write. So it's something that the people would write. Chayev, uh, therefore, Reb Shimon would, uh, would say that you're chayev. So that's the machlekes between Tanakam and Reb Shimon. Correct the Gemara. That's not so. Lemeim Rabbi Reb Shimon lechumra. Then if you would say that, then Reb Shimon comes out to be the machmer when it comes to the malacha to malachas. But Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Hakadeya kolshu chayev. If you did a little bit of uh, of drilling, right? We just had this in the Mishnah as well. I'm a gara kolshu. If you drag. A, a tiny drop on the uh, Abed culture, you straighten out the, you, you, you work on the hide a little bit. At Tsar Bakli Tsura, you create a shape with a shaping tool culture, even a tiny amount. Rib Shimonaim, that was the Tanakama. Rib Shimonaim, Rib Shimon says, Achi Yechadechas Kulai, Achi Gus Kulai, Achi Yabed is Kulai, Achi Yitzakulai. Rib Shimon is very lenient. And Reb Shimon says just a small amount of any of these malachas, you're not chayiv. So you can't tell me that Reb Shimon is the one who's more machmer when it comes to the Shabbos. As we find openly in the Bryce, that Reb Shimon is in fact more stringent, more lenient than the Tanakhama. It's like Reb Shimon didn't want to be called the machmer over here. You know, so you can't say that he's the one who authored the most opinion when it came to malach of Siva. Says the Gemara, Shimon Shimon is coming to teach you a different point. That Rab Shimon is, of course, the lenient one over here. And Rab Shimon says that you can't be chayev until you wrote an entire name. Is that true? We had in the Brisa a couple of lines up that Reb Shimon is the one who said that the Pasuk seems to imply that you're only chayv if you do the entire act of writing an entire name. Talmud Leimah and Reb Shimon darshans the Pasuk me'achas that from from one from the name that even if you don't write the entire name but part of the name Yechayev. So Reb Shimon in fact has to be that you, the machmer when it comes to ksiva. So we really have a very difficult time here since the Gemara with understanding the opinion of Reb Shimon. Number one, how does it differ from the Tanakhama? And if you're going to tell me he's more machmer, then why is it that we find by all the other malachas that Reb Shimon is the lenient one? And yet by ksiva, it seems like he's the more machmer. Uh, says the Gemara, teretz ve'emahachi. You have to say as follows. The Brysa reads like this. I might have thought that in order to be chayef for writing on Shabbos, I have to write an entire verse. Wow. Until that point, you're not chayef. So the Tanakhama says that me'achas, even from the Pasuk, even if it's not an entire verse, you're chayef on Shabbos. It says you do one and you'll do them. You'll do one, you'll do many. He says that at times that Yechayev for one, one chatas, one sin offering for many actions, and sometimes Yechayev many for many actions. 
explains that the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi is as follows. The Pasuk says, The Pasuk contradicts itself, or seemingly contradicts itself. It says from one that you'll bring only one from them, that you'll bring on them. Uh, one which is many, and many which is one. Now, could so it says the Gemara, let's explain that. If the entire uh, the entire word is Shimon, that's what you would, you wanted to write. May Achas and shame is Shimon. And instead you wrote shame, the two letters, Shin Mem of Shimon, Heina Avos, that those are going to be, uh, that's an actual, uh, that's going, you're going to be Chayev. May Heina Avos, if you write the actual word, however, it's an Avmalacha. Mehena, you wrote the two letters which are part of the word, but they're still forbidden because toldos, they're considered a tolda. Acha shehi heina zada. So now, acha shehi heina zada in Shabbos, ushkagas melachas, heina shiacha ushkagas Shabbos, vizada melachas. There's two more factors to what the person that come into how we describe the person's action if they did a case where a person was aware that you're not allowed to do malacha on Shabbos, but he didn't know the individual malacha, or he knew about, so that's achas mehena. And if somebody knew that uh, he, he, he didn't know all 39 malachas, but he knew that to do one of these malachas is forbidden, that would be heina me achas. Heina zadun shabbos shkagum lachas. Heina shiachas shkagum shabbos zadun malachas. So it turns out, so according to the way Rabbi Yaisi Bar Kanina is explaining the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, you're going to be chayiv, of course, for writing shame shimon. And the pasuk that says, from these me achas me achas me heina, has to be understood that, that we're talking about somebody who knows who's going to be chayav chatas if he knows only part of the story. He only knows that malachas in general are forbidden, but he doesn't know this malachas forbidden, so that will be a chatas. Or vice versa, he knows about the individual malacha. Uh, that, 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 sorry, he, he knows what he's doing, but he's unaware that it's one of the forbidden malachas. Those are cases where you're going to be chayev a carbon chatas. So we go back to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda of the Mishnah, out of the Brisa that said that shame is shame gadol. If you did shame is shimin, you're going to be chayev. So we just finished discussing how Rabbi Yaisi understands the Pasuk that refers to this halacha. Now we're going back to look at Rabbi Yehuda now in Mishnah. Back to Gemara. Mi dami. Mem deshem sasam. Mem deshem in psuach. If you wrote shame, if you're writing the, the word name, the word shame, shin mem, so the mem is what they call a mem sofit, or a mem uh, and the mem, it's a closed mem. It's it's the end of uh, when mem comes at the end of the word, it's closed. But if you're writing shimon, the mem looks a totally different way. So why would I be chayev for writing shin mem if my kavan was to write shimon when it's clear from the way I wrote it that the mem does not indicate a word? The answer is because at the end of the day that when you came to writing in the Sefer Torah and you found that there was a mix-up and they mixed up the uh, the mem 
פסוח, לתמם סגור, closed or an open mem, the mem that comes at the end of a word, if you mix it up, it's still a kosher sefer Torah. Therefore, for Shabbos purposes as well, you're going to be chayev. Right? The Gemara, Meisvei, we learned in Abraisa as follows. Contradiction. Uchsavtam should take siva tama, shall yichtev alfen einen, einen alfen, bezen kafen, kafen bezen. You're not allowed to write in Sefer Torah an aleph instead of an ayin, or vice versa. Garments, tzadin, tzadin garment. A gimel and a tzadi can't either be mixed up. Dalsen ration, ration dalsen. These are all letters that look a little bit similar. And if the cipher mixes it up, it's puzzled. A dalad and a reish, dalsen heyin, reish and dalsen, heyin chesin, a hey and a ches, chesin heyin, vavin yudin, yudin vavin, zayin and nunin, nunin zayin, a nun and a zayin, tesin, peifin, peifin, tesin, tesis and peifes, kafufin, pshutin, pshutin, kafufin. If it's bent over, uh, uh, then it can't be mixed up with one that's straight. Yamin, memin, samchin, samchin, memin. Mems and samachs also will parcel up your Sefer Torah if you mix it up. And finally, we see stumen, psuchen, psuchen, stumen. We see clearly that it says if you in the Sefer Torah, you, you mixed up a letter that was supposed to be uh, open or closed, uh, it's puzzle. Similarly, parsha psucha and a stuma psucha. If the parsha was not supposed to have any space afterwards, it was supposed to have a, a closed parsha. Then you can't, uh, you can't, uh, if you mix it up and you write it uh, the wrong way, it's going to be puzzled. Badav. If you did any of the following, um, if you didn't follow when it's a shira sayam, we know that the, or in Hazinu and in Bishalach, whenever there's a shira, then the Sefer Torah is written differently for those parts. Uh, if you wrote it um, regular in those parts, or vice versa, if you wrote it without the proper ink, you substitute it for another material, or you wrote Hashem's name in gold, I guess you tried to be extra fancy. All of these cases, all those cases, you have to bury the Sefer Torah, the entire Sefer Torah goes in Shemus. Uh, so how could you tell me that the Mem, it doesn't matter if the Mem is written as an end of Mem, Mem Sofit or not, of course it does. If you find that in the Sefer Torah, you will have to bury the Sefer Torah. Says the Vilmara, Yehuda doesn't hold like this long b'risa which you just brought down. Rather, he holds like a different b'risa. The Tanya, as Yehuda taught us, Rabbi Yehuda then b'sayra So it says in a midbar in the by the harbanos of uh, Sukkis that on the second day, on the third uh, uh, and on the sixth day and on the seventh day, each day it uses a slightly different language. Um, and if you wrote it with uh, the first day, meaning the the second day, it's, uh, uh, it was written with an extra mem that it doesn't say by the others. And then the sixth day, it was a yud. And the seventh day, it was a mem. What does mem, yud, mem spell? So again, niskehem says the Gemara, So at the end of the word, there's a mem. The shishi, there's a yud, hey. So that's a yud. Shvi Kemishpatam is an mem at the end of the Kemishpatam on the seventh day. Remem Yud Mem Mayim. That's why uh, Mayim is water. 
And that's when they would Mikan Ramos and this that's where we see a hint from what they did. On Sukkot, they would pour by the Simchas Beis Shueva, they would pour the water on the Mizbeach, down the Mizbeach. Uh, so shouldn't it be if you tell me that a parsha that, that an open letter that was pasua and you may and you and you and it was closed and you change it to be closed and it still is kosher so vice versa as well and this is the pshat of Rav Chizda according to Rabbi Yehuda that, that this brisa holds that the siftar is not possible. As we see clearly, the Bryce is spelled Mayim, but that first Mem in the Torah is written as a closed letter, and it's still kosher, so vice versa as well. If it was written as, a, as, a, as an open letter, and uh, if it was written as a closed letter and you wrote it open, it should be kosher. So if you have shame and you wrote a Mem, an open Mem, uh, meaning uh, a Mem, a regular mem, not the mem that comes at the end of the word, it should still be, you can still read the word as shin mem, as shame, and it's considered as if you wrote that word, and you're going to be chayev on Shabbos. Right? The Gemara, last line, no, we don't like that. Me, dummy, are you really making that comparison? If it was open, if it was a, the mem that comes in the middle of the word, and you wrote it as close as a closed mem like the Pasak does by the Nisakamayim Ilu Kamalile. You're elevating its status because that was the mem of the of the Luchas. That the mem and the Luchas Rashis uh Adamar of Khis, the mem Basamach Shabaluchas, Benesayuimdim. That the mem and the Samach were like standing in th- in the middle of the air with nothing to lean on. But vice versa, you're actually lowering the status because it's not the actual letter that was on display in the Luchas. As the Pasik says, Rabbi Yermia taught us that when Mem Nun Sadak Peyanchaf was instituted by the Nevi'im, the, that there's two forms. Of letter of letters, so the form that you wrote down was only taught to us by the Nevi'im uh, uh, much later on, and therefore you can't give a riot to Reb Chizda's pshat and Reb Yehuda to be mechayev shemi shemin from this brisa because there's a big difference between shame shin mem where you're writing instead of writing a mem sasum a mem uh, end a mem a mem which is a closed box, you're writing a mem like that appears in the middle of the word. That mem was not the actual mem on the luchas, and therefore it doesn't, it's not fair to say that you, you should be chayev as if you wrote a full word, shin mem, with an end of mem.